Section 8 of Last Call for Sector 9G by Lee Brackett. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Last Call for Sector 9G 8. There was a small sealed chamber with a thick window, and beyond it was a circular space, not too large walled with triple walls of glass with a vacuum in between. The air was full of dark birds, moving without hindrance through the walls, or hovering where they chose, above the thing that slept inside. Durham blinked, and turned his head away, and then looked back again. And Karlovic said softly, Beautiful, isn't it? But sad, too, somehow. I don't know why. Durham felt it, a subliminal feeling without any reason to it, like the sadness of a summer night, or of birth and laughter, or of the gull's wings white and swift against the sky. The star shone, palely, gently. He tried to see if it was round or any other shape, if it was solid or vaporous, but he could not see anything but that soft shining like mist around a winter moon. Durham shook himself and wondered why, when he was already so sure of death, he should be so afraid. All right, he said. How is it freed? The dark birds do that. Watch. He spoke to them, one word, and in the glass-walled prison there was a stirring and swirling of the shadows around the soft shining of the star. Durham saw a disc set in the metal overhead. One of the dark birds touched it. There was an intense blue flare of light, and Durham felt the throbbing of hidden dynamos, a secret surge of power. The glass walls darkened and grew dim. The low roof turned and opened to the sky, and through the barrier window, Durham watched the waking of the star. He saw the frosty shining brighten and spread out in slow, unfurling veils. There was a moment when the whole building seemed filled with moonfire, as cold as the breath of outer space and as beautiful as the face of a dream. And then it was gone, and the dark birds were gone with it. Come on, said Karlovic, a harsh, incongruous voice in the stunned darkness that was left behind, and Durham came up the ramp and out into the park-like space beyond, and all the tall lichens were standing dead and sheathed in ice. High above, burning cold over the city, a new star shone. They followed it through a silence as deep as the end of the world. Everything had taken cover at the rising of the star, and only the two men moved, the thermal units of their suits turned on high, through streets all glazed with ice and cluttered here and there with the wreckage and the dead of the rioting. The dark birds were forcing the star to stay high, but even so, nothing could live long without protection in that sudden, terrible winter. The road to the port lay blank and bare. They found one of the smaller vehicles, its driver dead beside it. Karlovic got it going, moving the great levers with Durham's help. After that, they rushed faster through the empty night. Durham shut his eyes, thinking... He opened them, and the spaceport of Senya Deek lay black and deserted around him, 
and Karlovic was gasping to him for help. Together, they pulled down the lever that stopped their conveyance. They scrambled down and ran out toward the small lifeboat, slipping and stumbling, dying inside their suits. They fell into the airlock, and Durham slammed the door and spun the wheel, waiting out the agonizing seconds while the tiny chamber cleared and then refilled, and they could tear off their helmets and breathe again. They looked at each other and laughed, and hugged each other, and laughed again, and then went into the cabin. The communicator was flashing its light and burring stridently. Durham switched it on. Jeb's face appeared in the tiny screen. You are safe? Good, good. For a moment, I thought, Listen, I have word from my patrol that Morrison has other ships with him now, spread out to catch you if by chance you get through. That is what decided me to use the bitter star. I am angry, Karlovic. I am tired of mockery and lies and secret violence. I am tired of peace, which is only a cloak for another man's aggression. A dark bird came into the cabin and hung over Durham's shoulder. It will carry your messages, said Jub. I am leaving now for the port and my own flagship. We go together. Good luck. The screen went dead. Durham said, strap in. We're taking off. The star, with its herding pack of shadows, set a course that took them up steeply out of Senyadik's shadow into the full flood of the green sun's light. The dark bird spoke by Durham's shoulder, and Karlovic said, The star must feed, or recharge itself, as you would say, with solar heat. Watch it, Durham. Watch it grow. He watched. The star spread out its misty substance, spreading it wide to the sun, and the soft shining of it brightened into an angry glare that grew and widened and became like a burning cloud, not green like the sunlight, but white as pearl. Far off to one side of it, Durham saw the glinting of a ship's hull. He pointed to it. Karlovic worked with the communicator. In a minute, the screen lit up, and Morrison's face was in it. Hello, Morrison, he said. Hello, thief. Morrison's face was hard and white as something carved from bone. It wasn't just an old wives' tale, Morrison, he said. It was true, and here it is. The bitter star, Morrison. Karlovic reached over and shook him pointing out the viewport. Coming swiftly in toward them was a small ship, curiously shaped before. Space sweep, Karlovic said. Those funny bulges are torpedo tubes, and the torpedoes carry heavy scatter charges to clear away debris so the ore ships can come in. Durham said to the image in the screen, Call him off. Morrison showed the edges of his teeth and asked, why should I? Durham nodded to Karlovic, who spoke to the dark bird. It disappeared. Within a few seconds, the star had begun to move. It moved fast, 
the angry gleaming of its body making a streak-like white comet across the green-lit void. It wrapped itself around the space sweep, and then it lifted, and the ship continued on its way unchanged. Morrison laughed. The sweep rushed on toward the lifeboat. Its tubes were open, but nothing came out of them. Durham shifted course to clear it, and it blundered on by. In the screen, Morrison's image turned and spoke to someone, and the someone answered, I can't. They just aren't there. Morrison turned again to Durham, or rather to the image of him that was on his own screen. I know what I'm supposed to say now, but I'm not going to say it. I've got Miss Hawtree with me. Had you forgotten that? I don't think you've suddenly acquired that kind of guts. Durham shook his head. I don't need them. I want you alive, Morrison. But I don't give a tinker's damn what happens to anybody else in the whole backside of nowhere you call 9G. Nobody and nothing. And I have the bitter star to back me up. I'm wondering how many loyal employees of Universal Minerals and how many stupid Wanbecks are going to sacrifice their lives just to keep me from getting my hands on you. Call them up, Morrison, and count them out, and we'll send the star to see them. The star glowed and glimmered and grew to a great shining, and a look of worry deepened on Karlovic's face. Morrison did not answer, and Durham could see the thoughts going round and round in his mind, the possibilities being weighed and evaluated. Then, the someone who was behind Morrison and out of scanner range said in a queer, flat voice, The Tug Varney calling in, sir. They boarded the sweep. Well? All dead, sir. Frozen. Even the air was frozen. They said to tell you they're going home. All right, said Morrison softly. Durham, I'm going home too, to Nantadik. Let's see if you can follow me there. He broke contact. In the distance, Durham saw the bright speck that was Morrison's ship make a wheeling curve and speed away. Durham said grimly to Karlovic, Tell the dark birds to follow with the star, and then get hold of somebody on Nantadik. Somebody with authority. Tell them everything that's happened. Tell them Morrison is all we want. We'll see how close they let him get to home. Don't know, said Karlovic, and got busy with the communicator. Half an hour later, he sighed and blanked the screen. They're sending up a squadron to intercept Morrison. But they're scared. They're scared of the star. I promised them... And nothing had better happen, Durham. Durham said, We'd better send word to Jub. For what seemed an eternity, they fled through the green blaze of the sun, after the ship Durham could no longer see. And ahead of the lifeboat, a light and a portent in the void, went the bitter star with its attendant shadows. And Durham, too, began to worry. He was not sure why. Job's flagship closed up to them, a vast dark whale beside a minnow. And after a while, a tiny bright ball that was a planet came spinning toward them. Karlovic pointed. Hung like a net across space, 
Between them and the planet was a series of glittering metallic flecks. The Squadron The communicator buzzed. Karlovic snapped it on, and the face of an Anton officer appeared on the screen. We have Morrison, he said. Come no closer with the star. Karlovic spoke to the dark bird. Durham's hands, heavy with weariness, slowed the lifeboat until it hung almost motionless. Jub's great, dark cruiser slowed also. Above and between them burned the bitter star. It had ceased to move. Durham said, The star will come no closer. Mr. Karlovic, said the Nanton, bring your lifeboat in slowly and alone. The lifeboat came in among the ships of the squadron. Now, said the Nanton officer, withdraw the star. Karlovic said, Jeb will do so. No, said Durham suddenly, Jeb will not. Look, there! Shining with a furious light, the star had torn itself away from the clustering shadows that hung around it. Durham's heart congealed with a foretaste of icy death. The face of the Nanton officer paled, and Karlovic said in a voice that was not like his voice at all, I must talk to Jub. He reached out to shift their single screen, and the Nanton officer said, Wait, he is speaking on our alternate. I can adjust the scanner. The picture flopped, blurred, and cleared again, showing now, in addition to the officer, a part of the Nanton's alternate channel screen. Jub was speaking, and it seemed to Durham that the Senyan's strange face was clearly, humanly alarmed. He said, I cannot withdraw the star. No, this is not a lie, a trick. Hold your fire, you idiots. I am the only hope you have now. The star has profited by the lesson of its docility a thousand years ago, when it let itself be led back into captivity. Now it has grown too much. It cannot be brought back to any world. Durham looked out at the beautiful, deadly thing blazing so splendidly in the void. Can it be destroyed? The dark birds can destroy it, said Jub, if they will. The Nanton officer, speaking from lips the color of ashes, said to the image of Jub on the screen, You have one minute to get it out of here before I fire. Jub turned his face away and spoke to something they could not see. Durham turned to Karlovic. He said, If they will. Does that mean... I told you, said Karlovic, looking out the port, that the dark birds were created to guard the star, and that, in a way, they love it. Who can say how much? They watched. Out in space, the little cloud of dark birds moved toward the star. Then, hesitantly, they stopped. They won't said Karlovic in a whisper, not even for Jub. Again, Jub spoke to the unseen messenger, 
as quietly as though it was a casual order, and presently a troubled movement rippled through the swirling dark birds. Suddenly they moved, again herding the star. Slowly at first, then more and more swiftly until it was only a streak of brilliant light, the dark birds drove the star straight toward the sun. And it was less a driving than an urging, a tempting, a promise of glory, a sweet, betraying call from the mouth of the eternal Judas. The dark birds led it, and it followed them. In a moment, in that greater blaze, the star was lost to view. Karlovic's breath came out of him in a long sigh. The only way it could be destroyed, even its appetite for thermal energy, could not swallow a sun. The dark birds are coming back, Durham said. Then, wonderingly, but they're not... The dark birds were coming back from the green sun, but not toward Jub's ship. And not toward any planet. They were flying like blurring shadows toward outer space, and if they heard Jub's calling voice, they paid no heed at all. They're gone, Karlovic said unbelievingly. Yes, Jub said very slowly. They obeyed that order, but it was the last. He looked at the humans facing him, the men of Earth and the men of Nantadik, and he said... Do you see now there is no difference between us, that we of Senyadik can teach betrayal just like men? Durham looked out into the shining void, but there was no sign now of the fleet and flying shadows. Intelligences, minds, beyond the understanding of heavy creatures like himself and Jub. He wondered how far they would go, how long they would live, what things they would see. Dark birds, dark birds, will you come back some day when we have flesh our ghosts and shadows to frolic on our lonely worlds? End of section eight. End of last call for sector 9G by Lee Brackett.